This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the 30th Sunday of Ordinary Time, the 27th of October. If you've ever been to a wedding, and I've been to quite a few in my time, you will know the sensation when the bride walks down the aisle and arrives before the altar beside her husband-to-be and draws back her veil so that he can see her face for the first time on their wedding day. She's showing herself to the person she loves and with whom she is going to be joined in marriage. In fact, the word revelation comes from the Latin meaning to draw back a veil. That's why veiling is an important Christian symbol because it shows us in a tiny way as we veil and unveil things in church, what will be fully revealed to us in the next life. Whenever we participate in the liturgy of the church, there is a revelation taking place. God draws back the veil that covers him and speaks to us every Sunday in four excerpts from the Bible. In other words, God is telling us something about himself, something about his inherent nature, so that we may enter into a relationship with him. Even though the Bible is presented in what is 100% human words and language, it's also 100% God's word too. And then, sacramentally, God makes the ultimate revelation of himself to us in the Blessed Eucharist, which makes present the Incarnation. When you go into a Catholic church, you find at the centre a tabernacle, usually also veiled, that tells us of the presence of God in this place. And it's there because God has revealed himself, he's given himself to us in the offering of the Holy Mass, and remains here so that we can encounter him whenever we visit him and pray before him here. St John Vianney tells the story, and it was often the case that he was describing an incident in his own life, that he once observed a man praying each evening at the back of the church and asked him what he did as he sat there quietly. His reply has become well known. He looks at me and I look at him. When St John Henry Newman was created a cardinal in 1879, he chose for his motto the words cor ad cor loquitur. This could well be a summary of what prayer is, reminding us that prayer is not so much saying much as loving much and just being before God. We all need things from God. We all have things to tell him and ask him. Yet the prayer of the tax collector in the Gospel today, who had a very poor reputation, was considered more pleasing to God than the vain litany of self-praise which the Pharisee recited. Now, there was nothing wrong with the Pharisee's prayer. The commandments condemn adultery, greed and dishonesty. So this man is indeed grateful to have avoided these sins, as we should be grateful when we avoid them. The problem is the Pharisee says thanks to God, whilst really saying to himself something about himself. Now this little story St Luke records is unusual in that most of the parables warn us about what will happen when we die. This one affirms what happens here and now. The metaphor for prayer, as well as for life, is if we want to be pleasing to God, then we must move from the front to the back of the temple. 
The entire point of religion is to make us humble before God and to open us up to the path of love. Everything else is more or less a footnote, a commentary. The liturgy, prayer, the precepts of the church, the commandments, sacraments, sacramentals, all of it are finally meant to conform us to the way of God's love. When they turn us instead away from that path by devolving into a source of pride and pomposity, they undermine this teaching of Jesus. Because he shows us in this incident how easy it is to turn the most sacred of moments to our own advantage, and how the ego can use the holiest of things for its own purpose. We try to keep our churches open as much as possible so that we can visit them. And we will only do that, we will only visit them, if we believe strongly enough that Jesus is present here in the tabernacle. The custom of paying visits to the Blessed Sacrament are among the most valuable moments of life. Here, the saints had their greatest inspirations. I think of St John Paul II, who did most of his important writings at his kneeler in front of the tabernacle. Even when he sat at his desk, he had it arranged so that when he looked up, he saw straight into the chapel opposite and looked at the tabernacle. We could think of those words of Jacob in the book of Genesis. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. It's the place where God reveals himself to us. We've come almost to the last week now, the last days of October, month of the Holy Rosary, and last Friday in our primary school, I joined with all of the children there in praying the Holy Rosary for world peace. It was a worldwide initiative of the aid to the church in need to get children worldwide, they estimated a million children, praying the Rosary on the same day. A great powerhouse of prayer for peace and conversion of the world since we know the prayer of children is so powerful and pleasing to God. Preaching to these students at Oscott Seminary in the same way that he was created a cardinal, St John Henry Newman said, Now the great power of the rosary lies in this, that it gives us the great truths of his life and death to meditate upon and brings them nearer to our hearts. And so we contemplate all the great mysteries of his life and his birth in the manger, and so too the mysteries of his suffering and his glorified life. And the special virtue of the rosary lies in the special way in which it looks at these mysteries, for which with all our thoughts of him are mingled with thoughts of his mother, and in the relations between mother and son that we have set before us, the home in which God lived. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, increase our faith, hope and charity and make us love what you command so that we may merit what you promise. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>